Welcome to Love at First Science, the podcast designed to dig deep into neuroscience, the human body and anatomy. My name is Celeste, I'm a physio and I teach anatomy to yoga teachers and this podcast is an archive of the lessons I've learned along the way in my attempt to bring a more science-based approach into the yoga world. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in. Just a quick reminder that I don't run any ads, so this podcast can only grow with your support. If you learned something new that you found useful, please do rate and review the podcast. And if you think the content can help someone get out of pain, improve their life, move without injuries, or even just feel more inspired, please share it with them. It would mean the absolute world to me. And you never know, we just might help elevate our community along the way. Today, we're going to be talking to Michael James Wong. Now, Michael is actually a friend of mine. I've known him for a number of years here in the London um, wellness space. And I've always looked at him as this guy who's one step ahead of everyone else in the wellness space. Um, One of the things that he actually ended up creating was an app called Just Breathe, and it's uh, described as a global movement for modern mindfulness. So it's a really powerful meditation app. And I thought it would be cool to bring Michael in to talk about some of the challenges that everyday people face when it comes to meditation, because, you know, some of us are working. Some of us don't have hours and hours a day to sit in a dark room focusing on our breath. Um, It was really insightful, some of the things he shared. So I'm really looking forward to you guys experiencing some of Michael's magic. This episode has been broken up into two parts, and this is part two. So Michael, um, with all of the experience that you've had thus far teaching meditation, has there ever been sort of things that you've heard in the way it's been taught that you thought, mm, it's not quite how it is actually in practice? Um, I know there's always like little myths that pop up, like you have to empty your mind, I think is one that always mm-hmm. comes up quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Or I think you mentioned one earlier, which is like, you have to shut down. Um, yeah. Can you just shed some light on any kind of myths that you hear and maybe it can actually help inspire someone that, it's not this thing mm. and that they can do it. Yeah, I, I think that is a very common one when you hear you need to empty your mind or you need to switch off or uh, you need to you need to just sit there and not think about anything. And mm. if I'm honest, you know, I, I tend to not hear that those kind of phrases much from teachers or people who are who are maybe well versed in different practices. That tends to be a little bit more of kind of the uh, the outsider's point of view or maybe how it's perceived when you kind of see it in a movie when someone's like this and you're kind of like you know it, it's like anything it's like it's you know like those that age-old thing where like you open up the newspaper and someone is doing an advert for dancing and they're kind of doing a bit a ballerina pose but if you do ballet you're like well that's not a pose someone just kind of put you in a shape you know there's that little bit of disconnect between the reality versus the perceived reality from an outside point of view and so for me, those kind of misconceptions do tend to work against us by having people get to the starting line, right? Mm-hmm. Empty your mind. Well, I can't empty my mind. Okay, well, I'm too busy for this and mm-hmm. I need to switch off. And for me, we have to start from a place across all of these disciplines is that you still have to remember you're human. And when you're a human, your mind will be all over the place. There'll be times when you can't sit still. There'll be times where you don't want to do things. And there's times when your mind will make up things. And so part of what we're doing when my, when we're looking at meditation is we're looking at how we can actually uh, what I would kind of cultivate attention is what we talked about, talk about quite often. Or how can I, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, 
and not to kind of misdirect us to be, you know, exactly the same as babies and dogs. But, you know, if a baby is kind of crawling away and you kind of go, hey, look over here and you dangle a little toy or they're like, the dog, what's that? Yeah, and they go, what is that? Right. Or if the, if the dog is going a bit sideways across the room and you hold up a little treat and go, hey, what's this? Right. And they go, oh, what is that? And, <laughs> and so part of what we have to do with the mind is we have to attract the mind with something gentler, simpler, softer, but still exciting enough that it can create an, a need for us to turn our attention that way. Like, and often, like, what, like what would you say would that be? Mm -hmm. Like, let's say somebody is in sure. it, they feel like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to yeah. sit down, I'm going to meditate. What would be the little treat to just bring the mind yeah. back? So the little treat is first and foremost technique. So you have to learn a technique for meditation because if you simply just sit there and close your eyes, your mind's going to go all kinds of sideways. And you just think it's a bit like if I just said, go sit in this dark room. Well, you're a bit like, is the door locked? When's someone coming back? I heard a noise over there. Oh, there could be mice in here. Oh, there could be someone else. in. Here. like the mind just creates. And so when we learn techniques, whether it's how to breathe a certain way, how to focus on a mantra or a word, how to create a certain type of pattern in which the mind goes through a certain sequence, whether you're doing something like a body scan meditation where you're physically going through the body in a certain order, you're giving yourself things to do, but purposely, right? Mm. And so, and that's the whole thing that's really important because the way the mind works, similar to like babies and dogs, the mind's always in FOMO right? So fear of missing out. So you don't want to be, you always will be like, oh, well, I should go over there. Oh, where there's this thought about, you know, this, well, I should go over there. And so part of what we have to do to dangle our own attention is to use techniques and to say, okay, well, I need to use this mantra and recite it in the mind in this way. I need to focus my attention here, 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 and here in this order, or I need to use this rhythm or breathing technique cycle to actually help focus on how we kind of move into our quieter place. And so that first action before we get into the, let's call it the absolute state of stillness or the state in which we are existing without the need for new thought is we have to use techniques to kind of arrive into that state. And can you give people some guidance on how to discover the right technique for them? Because I think what's so nice about what you're saying um, I really appreciate it because I did Vipassana mm -hmm. where, and just to give you guys context, those of you who are listening, it's 10 days of absolute silence and you're meditating for around 12 hours a day. And it was brutal. I'd say everyone thought I would have a trouble being quiet. That's actually the thing I found easiest. The thing I struggled with most was being still. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I didn't the thing I loved it, by the way, and I got a lot from the experience. If anyone wants to check it out for Pasana meditation, I, I do recommend it. But the only thing that I felt <laughs> was an unfair statement was that Vipassana is the only way. Yeah, they were like, yeah. this is the only way, you know, if you're going to meditate, if you're going to do um, a path that's going to give you some type of liberation. And I, I use that term loosely, um, but just some kind of spiritual progression or mental progression. You know, Vipassana is the only way. But what I'm really appreciating about your approach, Michael, is you're saying things like you need to find a technique and mm -hmm. you need to almost do a little bit of research and a little bit yeah. of practice to figure out which one works for you. And it's really important. And, and the reason I say that, and obviously I've come from different lineages of practice. I have my preferences of practice, but also there's a recognition that every day we have different needs, right? It's not, you know, if I was to say, okay, well, what's your favorite meal? 
right? What's your favorite? What's your favorite meal? That's very hard. <laughs> okay. What What's your favorite meal you've had in the last two days? Oh, oh. Am I allowed to say steak? <laughs> great. So if I said great, so steak's your favorite meal you've had in the last two days, and I said, okay, well, you need to have steak every single meal now for the rest no, of your life. No. No. And so part of that is like, well. All of a sudden, then the potency of our connection to it, the value that we get for it can shift. But oftentimes, yeah. a lot of these practices, while there's a lot of agnostic approach now, a lot of evidence-based and research based on mindfulness meditation, you know, if we look at it from the wider lens, there is a lot of ancient practice that comes from also a lot of ancient lineage, whether it's uh, Vedic lineages, Buddhist lineages, there's practices that have come from years and years and years and thousands and thousands of, of years of sitting certain ways. Vipassana for many people is a great practice, a great experience, but you're sitting there for a long amount of time. You're not allowed to move. You're in the quiet. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of restrictions. And the reason that a lot of these practices have such a firm line on it, it's a bit like grandma's spaghetti, right? Like if your grandma makes spaghetti, there's a certain way it's done and there's an only a certain way. And that's the way it's done because that's the best way it's done. But the truth is, is that if you look at it, if you're, if you, we can have a little bit of uh, foresight to kind of say, you know what, if we widen the lens out, there's different ways you can make spaghetti and they can all taste different ways. And on different days, you're going to have a different flavor. And so for me, if we are too uh, one-laned or single-minded with techniques, we're not actually acknowledging that the intellect of the human mind likes to have an understanding, but still has the strength to make choice and preference priority. And, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't really know, you know, you won't know if you don't like avocados unless you've tasted an avocado. And if the world's only ever told you they don't exist and the only thing that you should have is steak, 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 steak. Well, it's, I think it's, it's an unfair thing to put on an intellectual a human being to say, I'm not even going to tell you anything else or acknowledge that things exist. And it's, it's a funny thing in these practices where there are purists and I totally uh, appreciate pure lines of practice, but I do think now in a modern age of practice, we need awareness. And if, if the practice itself is based on awareness, why not grant ourselves more awareness of what's available so we can then have the experience to decide what's relevant for us in a certain moment, in a certain experience, right? Okay, so so I guess the next layer then is, mm -hmm. let's say I am that person who's working yeah. really long hours. I haven't mm -hmm. really, I mean, I, I get up early, <clears throat> I go to work, I come back, I've got to feed the kids, I've got to cook dinner, I want to sit down and just watch my show before I switch yeah. off and go to bed. How can we guide them on where to find the right practices for sure. them? So like most things these days, one of the best places of first contact is going to be uh, digital practices. So whether you find practices on YouTube, you download apps like our app, Just Breathe, or Headspace, or Calm, or any of those apps that are available, or you go to a class where that these days more and more there's meditation classes available at your local studios. Uh, there's lots of places where you can find a meditation practice, and there's more and more meditation teachers and people who are um, in that space that can provide at least entry-level expertise. Our job has to go seek out the, those who know or have walked a path that can offer their own personal experience and insight. So if you were to come to me, I wouldn't blindly say, you must do this. I'm going to say, well, here's a few different practice options that we can try. However, I'm going to give you a certain sequence. 
So a lot of times where I'll always start people is a mantra-based meditation. So a mantra is a single word or an affirmation, a way in which we focus the mind and recite it repeatedly in the mind without needing to hold it, but having that sense of using it as a guidance away from intellectual thought. Right, that's that's the 30 second version of it, right? <clears throat> my loves, real quick, if you are hypermobile, be sure to check out my book, Too Flexible to Feel Good, where my co-author and I share the latest signs on how to help a bendy body feel awesome. If you already have the book, please do leave it an Amazon review. It helps more than you could ever know, and it just might help someone else feel a bit more stable in their bodies. The book is called Too Flexible to Feel Good, and you can get it from most online retailers. Right. <clears throat> now, by saying that, what I'm going to do is I'm gifting people a way in which the mind can reduce its thought creation. It's not going to stop. It's just going to reduce it, right? I'm just going to say, come with me, come with me, come over here, come over here, come over here. That's what we're kind of doing to ourselves in those practices. But what's important is when we start to use a being meditation or a mantra-based meditation, we're essentially offering the mind a space of simply moving away from thought, right? Moving away from busyness, moving away from the extra alternatives of thought actions. So for example, if I was to say, a body scan meditation, which we talked about, I'm still asking you, focus on your toe, focus on your knee, focus on your hip. So your mind has to do work in that situation. Whereas if we're starting with a baseline of a mantra-based meditation, or it's called a being meditation or a still point meditation, they're all kind of in the same category. What you're looking at is how can I reduce the thinking mind into a space of feeling and being? And so if someone is starting out brand new, go to resources that work, come to our resources and go straight to what we call the just breathe meditation. That will be a 20 minute practice that you simply uses the mantra of just breathe to settle you and quieten you down, go to a different app, go to a, a YouTube page, go to your pages, people who have a certain level of expertise or understanding, and then just build an experiential baseline because these days with meditation as a practice, it is it is different than a lot of other things. If even if it was like yoga or uh, you know, riding a bicycle, we tend to hope that if we do it once, it'll work. Right. I know the first time I tried to ride a bicycle, it didn't go the way I thought it should have gone. Right. The same way as a yoga class, and the same way as anytime you're learning something new. And so too quickly now, we want the thing to work straight away. We want and one the results to last to, forever. Exactly. And the results to last forever. We want this yeah. one practice to have profound results and then sustain me for the rest of the year. And I'll do it. Well, I'll do it again next year. It's a bit like what I can talk about is like, it's, it's like brushing your teeth, right? You have to do it as a daily thing that just happens yeah. without the expectation metaphor. of it. Like we don't, hopefully we don't brush our teeth and then you finish go, I nailed that. I was really good at that today. <laughs> I was super good. Did you see how I went left and then right and then to the front and to the back? Right? And we my don't... teeth are going to be white forever. Exactly. And now I don't have to do it anymore and I'm, I'm great at it. And then you walk around town going, I'm really good at brushing my teeth, guys. And you go, oh, hey, guys, check out this. Like, amazing. Right? But <laughs> these days with like meditation, we want, okay, well, I did a really good meditation. I, I won the meditation. I nailed it. I was really good at it. And if you think about it like brushing your teeth, it's something that happens. We know the benefit. We do it because it's beneficial. And then it's done, right? It's a thing that's done. And then without you realizing it, 
the the benefits of brushing your teeth last the rest of the day, right? You kind of go, you kind of forget that you've done it, but then you realize that actually the benefits last on. What tends to happen over time with meditation and exactly like brushing your teeth, if you don't do it for a day or you don't do it for a few days or you lost your toothbrush or (laughs) exactly, you kind of go, oh, there's something just a bit off or I feel like I just need, right? You just have this unsettled nature. Yeah. And that's what happens when you have a longer lasting experience with meditation. You have a consistency in practice. You then kind of go, oh, I now know what it feels like to not. And so too quickly, the mind just wants to get the results, keep the results and, and know the results when the truth is, you know, most of us have been brushing our teeth for years and years and decades and decades. So it just is now part of our everyday well-being. And guys, I just want to throw a quick message in to let you know that it's not like Michael is sitting around with his feet up all day meditating. He's a new father of twins Mm -hmm. and he runs three successful businesses. So Michael is, you know, you know, he's not sitting in a cave, (laughs) you know, he's got a family, he's juggling a lot of different balls in the air. And it's has, has your meditation practice altered since your babies have come along or, um, has it kind of heightened the experience of being a father? I mean, I, I, there's an honesty that with life shifts, you know, lots of things change. And of course, there's days where a meditation practice isn't as typical as it, you know, as 20 minutes sitting in a chair in a room by myself with the door closed. I mean, that's not realistic at, you know, six o'clock every day anymore. It might be again in a, in a certain amount of time, but also by having an established practice, by being someone who's had a practice for a number of years, it allows me to start to ultimately recognize the purpose of the whole thing, right? Meditation in itself is a technique and it's a practice. However, the purpose of meditation is to give us energy, to give us more awareness, to create a sense of well-being, to help me respond better to stressful situations, to recognize how and who I am in certain anxious moments. You might not be able to hear right now, but you know one of the one of the babies downstairs seems to be kind of not having a great moment, a little bit of kind of screaming, and it could be anything, right? And it could be bumped its head, it could be you know other baby took its toy, and and you know obviously I feel that and I hear that, and a part of me wants to go, okay, I gotta go, I've got to go, I right. know. But through the practice, it puts me in a state of understanding and knowing, right? Kemi's downstairs. I know they're in safe hands, but also at the same time, I know that maybe me 10 years ago, you'd be, your insides would start to go like this. And it's not just babies. It could be any situation. And part of the practices are helping us understand how we can respond. And I know that if it's an emergency, I'll go. I know that if it's, if it's something, I'll, I'll make those decisions. But if we continue to live our life in reaction, in reactive modes, then all of a sudden we're hugely, you know, we have so much stress in the system. We have so much panic within the system <clears throat> that actually any of our actions, any of our decisions are loaded anyway. And so part of me having a practice is, you know, so it might be in the afternoon now, or I might have a day when it doesn't happen, or it might be a different kind of practice. It might be me, you know, just taking two minutes for myself or having a baby on my lap while I practice. The truth is, is that through my practice over the years, I have what you would call, I mean, you'd say like, I have a lot in the reserve tank, 
right? I have a lot that we've put into the tank. And now, you know, it's a bit like money in the bank. I'm, I'm, I'm living off savings right now, right? And so oftentimes when we have meditation practice, yeah, your daily practice, you're adding more to the bank. So what comes in can go out. But, you know, maybe this phase of my life right now, which is honest, I'm living off a little savings where the amount of rest in the body, the uh, the, the down-regulated system, like that is helping support me. And then I keep adding in when I can. Well, thank you so much for such a beautiful, honest account of the challenges that you've faced. And it's really nice to hear someone, I think, that ha has got so much experience and actually has walked the talk for quite some time now, have the ability to know when to zig and zag, as it were. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom. It has been very powerful listening to you speak and very inspiring. Um, Michael, I know that you have the Just Breathe app, which I'm so grateful that you mentioned, because I think for those of you guys that are listening, it is a really fantastic starting point. It gives you tools on how to get going. And also you have lots of different timestamps on your practices. So people maybe don't have to feel the pressure of carving out a full 20 minutes right away if they're not ready for it. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. And, you know, the app itself is very much there as a, as a, as a resource for support. There's two minute practices, eight minute, most practices on there, eight to 10 minutes. There are 20 right. minute practices on there and there's light guidance. So there's the kind of uh, classic just breathe meditation, which is a 20 minute practice. But one of the things that we've built into it, which is really effective that we've found is that you get a daily practice served up to you every day. And so it takes away the, what should I do? What's good for me? Mm. And it's that thing of, you know, from let's say an expert's point of view, our point of view of saying, just do this one today and see how that goes. Because all we're doing is trying to expand Jeez. your experiences with meditation. And then you might find, oh, well, this one was, I had a really great experience with it. And you can go back and read it and says, oh, mm -hmm. it's a visualization and it does this, this, and this. Great. Then go into the library and find 25 more. But it's That's really so about, clever because yeah. it takes out decision fatigue because yeah. I sometimes get on a meditation <clears throat> app and I'm like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. I don't know. And then I start seven of them and think, oh, mm -hmm. it's not working today. So that's amazing. Yeah. And that's the really, that is the trickiest thing is that if you have too much decision, you're in, it's a bit like going to the doctor, the doctor asking you, what would you like me to do today? I'm like, I don't know. I just know <laughs> I need to be here. And so part of it is like, just do the daily practice. And then when you find an experience that's really fitting for you, great, go to the library and find a bunch more. Or maybe tomorrow there's a different one and go, actually, it was just nice to have some really beautiful mindfulness or a meditation music that's just giving me a little bit of space in the brain. Great, go find more. And the app itself is built and all of our practices are built to just breathe as a way to kind of get you in the room to have a great first experience. And then from there, if you're interested, if there's inquiry, great. Well, we've got a teacher training. You can come learn more. We've got a course that you can just learn more about the practices. Or if this isn't for you and you want something else, we, you know, I'm the first one to say, great, go see this person, go try this thing. Maybe you need to go, you know, try this kind of practice. And it doesn't have to be meditation as the resolution. It doesn't have to be breath work as the resolution. What you might need actually is first you need to go to a yoga practice. You need to go to a sound bath. You need to go see a therapist. You need to go and experience things because most people come need-based like this. I feel like this and I need this kind of support. And I've heard this thing might be helpful, but sometimes it is. And sometimes actually what you need is, you know, something else. Amazing. Michael, where can people find out more about you? 
best place to find me is anything Just Breathe related. So Just Breathe on Instagram, justbreatheproject.com is the website, and you'll find lots more about the app, uh, retreats, trainings, events, all kinds of stuff coming up like that. Uh, and then just my personal pages at Michael James Wong. I'll also link those. And then the <clears> question <throat> I ask everybody, um, it's like a little curveball question at the end. If you could send mm. a message to the whole world, either through a text message or a giant billboard, or I don't know, uh, you, you're broadcasting all across national television, uh, what would your message to the world be? Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? Uh, I would probably say, and this is a first thought, you know, don't worry about what might be, just focus on what is. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, guys, please do check out Michael James Wong, uh, not just his Just Breathe, but you've got, you're the author of a couple of books and you have uh, teacher trainings. Um, if you are deciding to become a yoga teacher through Sunday School of Yoga, please do check out all of his amazing resources. And um, thank you again, Michael. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. Thanks, Sal. It's been great to be here. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was part two. Next week, we'll be welcoming a new guest. Remember, if this episode was helpful at all, please do share, rate, and review.